Welcome to the Meltzone Podcast. This is episode 42 from February 1st, 2021. I'm Tom. And I'm Stefan. And on today's episode, we are not only talking about why Tom's hair is missing, but there's also a lot of talk about, yeah, 3D printers, 3D printers in general. So yeah, I'm currently doing my Voron build. Um, there is a new Kickstarter printer called the Plybot, uh, which has connections to Brook Drum and the old printer bot. There is the Fuse one from Formlabs, an SLS 3D printer that is finally released after years and years in development. We are talking about low-cost metal 3D printing using basically electrochemistry and electro and electroplating method. And a, well, a Prusa that uh, had a fourth axis added to it, uh, which supposedly is able to print parts without any support structure if the parts look as, uh, well, w w what, what the printer can handle. Um, and then also just a bit of talk about the current GameStop controversy uh, and short selling things and hedge funds and everything which is connected to that stongs um yeah on other news um there is a yet another startup doing uh meatless meat through a 3d printer adding some texture to it we talked about like wh whether that's actually something we need well we do um and also as a feel-good topic to close out the recent events, uh, there is, you know, 3D printing is really useful, not just for 3D printing, but we're seeing a lot more interdisciplinary use of uh, the stuff we do here. And for the questions this week, uh, we talk about whether or, or how SLA printers actually work and why they're not just curing stalagmites of material where you previously tried to cure something. Why does it stop at the layer height? Um, we look at what options there are for closed loop systems to drive a 3D printer and a quick back or behind the scenes look at, you know, what we do to record these and why Stefan actually looks so good in these shots. Tom. Stefan. Your hair. It's gone. <laughs> it's it's gone. I was, I was so shocked. <laughs> I was so shocked. Yeah, actually, let me let me let me show off the full. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> the headphone. Uh... <laughs> yeah, but um... it's all gone. Yeah, there's uh, more hair in my in my face than on my head. Yeah. Um, you just gotta do what you gotta do, you know. Special times call for special measures, and it's it's just been getting annoying. Just having hair fling around. It it was it was a pretty brave move you did there and it was just like totally unexpected i was sitting there and i just didn't know what i what i what i could say <laughs> yeah i mean I, like a like i tweeted I, I think that's going to be hard to beat as a sponsor transition yeah sponsor segue yeah uh, ho i hope they pay you enough for that <laughs> they're they're decent well, I, they're decent yeah. trade coffee maybe you'll yeah trade coffee they don't they ship to the eu that, like, they don't. No, no. Besides, I... besides to to Thomas Sandaro, uh, they actually do not ship to me either. 
So I've, I've actually had to go through through Joel, uh, 3D printing okay. nerd. I was okay. like, hey, Joel, um, there's there's like two packs of coffee in it for you. Can you forward this to me? Okay. <laughs> and, and yeah, I sent him the, the FedEx shipping label and he FedExed it to me. Um, <laughs> because straight coffee don't even ship to, to reshippers. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. I don't know. Last time, so for some reason, they, they managed to do it. Now they're mm-hmm. just like, well, I don't know. Wait, well, we can't. So that's interesting because, well, you as as somebody who's gonna promote that, why yeah. why can't they just put another shipping label on there and just send it off? I don't know if that's import regulations. They they really don't, don't so. want to mess mess around with. Um, I don't know. I, I I guess it's because it goes through an agency and I don't know, yeah. so so many different intermediaries between that. Yeah. Know. But speak, maybe speaking of import problems, I I had a Dan from Slice Engineering send me right. a mosquito hotend for mm-hmm. my for my Voron build three weeks ago, and it has been sitting for almost two weeks now in the import office at DHL. I don't know, just because it's properly declared, because everything I usually get from Asia arrives here in like three days no um, questions asked do you have a what is it called Eon? generalverzollungsauftrag um yes i with do DHL. okay yeah um okay that's that's, that's weird yeah I'm, i'm basically calling them like every second day and they just say ah yeah brexit problems brexit COVID. Problems? okay <sighs> i think they need to deal with a lot of stuff either coming from the uk or going to the uk and probably coming right. from the uk that they're just overwhelmed because they don't even know what to, what to do with it but yeah that that currently really annoys me because mm. i would like to progress with with my build but <laughs> yeah um yeah i don't know if i should put the v6 in there i i also have but i definitely know as soon as i put the v6 in there mm. i i get the the other package delivered but yeah that that's currently pretty bad do you know if if prusa is shipping again to the uk i because i don't know stopped. if i've heard any updates there um, so yeah. i think they've they've just ceased shipping to the uk i mean yeah brexit's going well but that's that's an entirely <laughs> different topic um Yeah, but but for for imports, I mean, FedEx been every, everyone in the US seems to complain about FedEx a lot, but FedEx for me has been fantastic. Like just delivery times and the, the way they deal with imports, they're not cheap by any means, but mm. they're they're really reliable for me. Um, DHL Express has been giving me issues at you know every, every now and then. Yeah, so I think FedEx is like the only company that already lost two packages that should have arrived and oh there is a delivery wow. signature from someone who doesn't live around here um and then you don't really get a response w- when you write at that. oh yeah we're working on that never heard from them like for a year so oh, i don't know okay okay yeah so they're all crooks fantastic yeah, we'll see we'll see we'll see Yeah, so how, how's been the, the progress on your Voron build? I mean, I've, I've been... Wh- when did we talk about this the first time? Three weeks ago? Like th- and, three weeks and ago? And it's already built? Like, holy crap, that's a, that's quite the pace. Yeah, I've, I've seen the tweets. But it's like... a beautiful machine. So 
Well, you said uh, just build a, a Voron. I never heard of Voron before, and I'm totally sorry to say that. I'm just echoing what everyone else is, is saying. <laughs> um, yeah, I did some research, maybe not enough research, and I've seen that like their Voron Zero basically fit exactly in that description we we talked about i said i wanted to have a really small really fast 3d printer the voron zero is 120 by 120 by 120 build volume which is tiny <laughs> which i i think you only start noticing when you really see it i think most of my parts would actually fit into that volume though yeah like you, you can get a 95. surprising amount of, of stuff done with a small printer the interesting thing is the build volume of the Voron Zero is big enough to print all of the parts for the Voron 2, which is like the really big one. Yep. Yeah, so I ordered, I didn't want to source the parts all on my own. Mm. Don't have the time and the nerves for that. So uh, yeah, I, I found a pretty decent, not really cheap kit on, on AliExpress from Fombot, um, which I ordered was also horribly expensive to 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 send over 50 right. bucks or something like yeah, that yeah if you want so, it within a couple of days and sure yeah uh, no they actually don't really offer um like the uh, the cheap oh. chinese standard shipping options uh it's you get 40 bucks for fedex and 50 bucks for dhl okay. so yeah it, it arrived in i think in around a week and i just couldn't hold myself back building it um because i i just enjoy that um yeah. i think it's the same so you, with you, building legos when i when, when i was small um but you're not doing you're not doing build live streams or videos about the project or anything right i thought about doing a building live stream for the voron but i'm totally happy that i didn't do that because that thing is small which also means that the screws and everything you put in there is really small and um, I think I've already been working on, on like just a mechanical build for six hours or something like that, but it requires my full concentration. I would not have yeah. been able to do that on a live stream. I no no way. Um, it's just it's more enjoyable to do it without you know the pressure of an audience watching too, right? Yeah, I filmed some of the parts which I want to show in a video later, but not really like a full build video it's nicely designed um it is a bit fiddly to put to put together to be totally honest but so far it yeah it went together well and with the like like black carbon fiber parts oh, yeah. it just looks <laughs> so awesome so yeah for sure and it's a it's a core xy right just core xy on it, x and y and then z-axis is belt driven or no it's uh it's lead screw driven okay. i think there's a mod for making it belt driven because some have issues with um z-banding but okay. we'll see we'll see um the really nice thing about the kit that i bought bought is they are using well quite high quality components so ldo motors triangle labs hot end um omron uh, SSR and Meanwell PSU and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm well, I'm not really upset that I paid four hundred dollars for the kit and the fifth 
50 bucks additional for shipping right right but what's what's included is is it really everything except for printed parts like do you get screws wires that sort of stuff yes okay it's it's everything besides uh the printed parts um so pre-machined extrusions um lasered out acrylic parts belts screws hot-end electronic components, everything. You still need to solder a bit here and there, but it's basic. you basically just need to print um, a couple of parts and, yeah. then, and then you're ready to go. To go. Um, still didn't finish all of the electrical stuff. That's something for, for this week probably. Uh, but yeah, so far pretty nice and it just looks great. It really looks great. I don't know if it's really worth the 500 bucks you pay for it in the end, but... <sighs> I mean, you can you can always make that argument, right? Is it really worth that much much extra? Mm. And does it really print that much better? But it, it's nice to have a printer that is just solid every now and then, mm. because it's. I mean, as I've I've got the Mark III right here on, on the table, and that's not that solid of a printer. It does more in the way of of being built like smartly and, and using parts in, in in an intelligent way, but it's not like. You know, you could, yeah, that Mark III would be bent after that if you did that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's just nice having a printer where you know, mm. okay, the the mechanics, everything I did is just bulletproof. Mm. Like that's not never going to be an issue. Yeah, it's nice. Well, my primary goal for this one is printing a ten minute banshee. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm about that. I'm quite excited to see how far I can get with just the basic setup um the basic setup and having a uh, mosquito hotend in there and i think from that point on i will try to modify it to get my 10 minute banshee because that's the big goal and printing a 10 minute banshee i i simulated that in in prusa slicer is not as easy as you think um you need pre-accelerations you need pretty good accelerations and the material you need, you need to melt. You need to have like 20, 30, 40 cubic millimeters a second of material going through through your, Which your nozzle. Which is not impossible, actually. But the, the thing that I did run into trying to, to push my printers is just cooling. So I assume you're not going to be printing with PLA. That is the big exactly. question. Um, many, many are printing with ABS and I don't know ABS with additional cooling might be an option but this is actually I really want to play around with there are some this is one of the things I, I want to investigate uh, uh, you need high flow materials uh, and PLA is not the best flowing material ABS has I think a way higher melt flow index or you can get significant way different ABS's for that yeah yeah but then also cooling, yeah. If if you don't have like a ton of cooling, you just print a big blob. Yeah. Um, adding compressed air cooling might be an option. I don't know. Th- this this is exactly <laughs> what I want, want to find out. This is the challenge for <laughs> the, me. The Benchy is no crooked Benchy. <laughs> just blow it over. Yeah. yeah. Um, sounds sounds really interesting. Um, yeah, cooling, melting, melting. It's. That, that there's so many things that go into like pushing a printer past what it what it does mm-hmm. typically and you know the the reason why i i always recommend hey if you if you need better print quality or if you have issues with your printer just go a bit slower mm. it's it's because yeah you you do run into so many different things if you, if you try to push it 
That's going to be the challenge. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. So hot in, yeah. hot in for that plan is the mosquito or mosquito magnum. Mosquito. Yeah, the mosquito magnum because I think the mosquito also can go, I think, up to like around 15 to 20 cubic millimeters a second. You should easily be able to do it, yeah. If you want to go higher, you need the magnum. Um, I have... It's it's basically just replacing the, the heat break. I also bought... So Dan has been shipping... Sorry. Dan has been shipping me the uh, the Magnum hot end, um, but I think I'll I'll start with the standard heat break just to see what what is limiting what is limiting me in the end, and then change components, maybe change stepper motors, um, tune 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 firmware and stuff like that until I get to my ten minute ten minute benchy. There's the. Yep. Mosquito and Mosquito Magnum. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. The um, Mosquito Magnum just has a has a different heat break. It's it's the the hot part is a bit longer, so the yeah, heat break starts later. It's got a copper slug going um, upwards mm. from the you know, from the heat block. I mean, I, the heat break might actually no 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 no. It's different. It's different. But yeah, it's it's interesting because on on the on the E3D volcano, like you have your your um, heat block extending downwards. Mm-hmm. On on the Magnum, you just have it extending upwards. Yeah. So yeah. Well, well. Yeah, I think I wouldn't be able to put a volcano hot on hot end on that machine because that just with that would be flopping around so much and would just add additional weight. And for this reason, I was I was looking for the mosquito. So. Yeah, and I do really like the way that you know it's built with the four extra standoff tubes. It just you know if you crash this is not gonna you know this is not gonna feel the impact uh on a volcano yeah. oh maybe you know you're gonna need a, a new heat break yeah super volcano even worse <laughs> i think i bent <laughs> the heat break on my super volcano like on, on the first or second print <laughs> and that was on a mirror so mm. yeah yeah so it's it's not really easy to get a replacement uh heat break for yeah. that yeah kind of interesting cool. yeah i'm looking forward to that maybe sp- speaking of 3d printers um, <laughs> what else do we talk about <laughs> speaking of 3d printers uh, let's talk about the plybot yeah let's let's do talk about the plybot because that is is so is that one that could do fast printing so what's the plybot yes uh flybot okay the flybot is a kickstarter project which we i mean i'm, I'm usually skeptical of but it has um brook drums involved um if, which you guys might know from uh ventures like printabot um, the printers are very much like um so plybot is a new printer that has a what is this called a scara 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 like yeah. i mean I've, I've seen the scara where it's two joints in series I, I mm-hmm. can't well like like this basically it has one one rotating joint and then another rotating joint um but this is this is two arms and then basically each of those arms has a rotating actor and you get the the intersection between that by by rotating basically the shoulder joints so it's that on the xy and then the axis i think is just something classic basically yeah elite screw driven um yeah looks looks super interesting um we haven't seen that many scara scara printers at least commercially in the past i think were there any there well 
I don't know if there were any commercial ones. There have been yeah. maker projects yeah. um, in that direction. The question is now, why Scara? I think it's... I, it's... I guess... Go ahead. I think it's cheaper. I, it might be cheaper. So, <sighs> okay. Okay, it might... Or, or is it just because it's different? That that was going to be my point too. Um, it's... I think first and foremost, this is something new to try out. Um, mm. We've seen Scar designs before, but not this exact Scar design. And... I think for, for the most part, this is something where they, they want to experiment and see, hey, maybe we can learn something from this and see how we can apply it to different machines maybe or you know what applications this is really good for. Um, I've, I've thought about like what mechanical advantages you could have with a system like that. And I guess that the first one would be if you're printing straight XY lines, you're not going to get any sort of or even diagonals, you're not really going to get a repeating stepper pattern or a tree ringing um, that would line up with the axes. Because it's it's basically your, your resolution is like two intersecting circles or something along mm -hmm. those lines. So whatever resolution issues you might have, it's, uh, it's going to be hidden in, in dithering, basically. Mm. The other thing I thought of is you don't need a super high-precision mechanical setup because your 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 arms they're pre-tensioned by gravity or, or biased by gravity downwards. So even if you have slop in your bearings, um, they're always going to be loaded in the same way. So you, you mm. always have them like sitting on on one edge. Um, so you might get very consistent positioning with that sort of a system. Even if you this is one of the things I was really yeah. concerned about because if you have slop in the in the bearings i could imagine that positioning might not be that precise and i don't know kinematically how the resolution is all over the build platform or if there yeah, are it's... positions where um you kind of are in an indifferent state where just a a slight force where like the right, right, right. the positioning system can't really push the motor to a, a specific location i don't know if if i explained that properly but just with the arm system okay. i could imagine that for example the middle position might be a bit sloppy because um i don't know yeah i i mean i, I see what you're saying um the resolution throughout the build area is definitely not going to be constant um, just like with a delta where you have um, different resolutions per se across your, your XY space. Um, how much of a problem is that going to be since it's not really aligned with your XY? I, I, don't, I don't think I don't that know, it's but... it's a huge problem and with micro-stepping we have nowadays and 32-bit control boards yeah. that can hammer out steps really fast. I don't see that you get a resolution problem. Yeah. I would just it's be interesting mechanical. to know how, how stable the kin kinematics really are. It's it's interesting because kind of similar to also the printer bots, it's a very clean and uh, yeah minimalistic design. Yeah. I'm a 
bit worried about dynamic forces. If you look at the z-axis, it's just it looks like it's just two eight millimeter rods and then a TR8 in the center. And the backing plate um, where the spool mount is on is just it's just sheet metal. Like there's no structure there per se. So the mm. tops of the of your z-axis are supported in the x direction, but in the y direction mm. they can they can basically freely flutter around. Mm. So that they're only held in, in the base somehow. And that's something that Printabot has always kind of done that way. Um, but it's, it doesn't always make for the most rigid machines. Um, mm. Dynamic forces in the Y direction should be fairly minimal, though, because you don't really have... Like on the on the Printabots, obviously the entire Y axis was extending out. Mm. Um, but there shouldn't be... Like it's just the hot end that you 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 you're lugging around, right? There's no real mm-hmm. weight to it. No. So one one thing that well, which which makes the design look look really clean, but was concerning me a little. There's no part cooling fan. Oh, you are right. There's no part cooling fan with the machine, and and the hot end itself looks like ah uh, the, the first hot end I got on my on my Mendel ninety, which had the peak heat break thing yeah it's it's uh it's it's a ubis something i don't know if it's a ubis 13s or whatever that the most current one is but it's the it's the same style ubis hardened that uh, printabot has been using for a while they they work they work fine okay yeah well my my metal 90 also always worked worked really well it's just interesting to see that you have well it's it's interesting to see one of those kind of older designs back in in a new printer. Uh, as far Another as the hot end thing, goes, as far as the hot end goes, yeah. Well, but it's it's as, it's a design that's so the the Ubis hot end has been updated over the years. So it's okay. I, I believe right now it is an all metal hot end, um, or mostly metal, and the the peak isn't really that thermally strained. Okay, but yeah. Um, it's it's a it's a modern updated design. Um, as far as the part cooling fan goes, I just looked through the specs. It does have a part cooling fan. It is Z axis mounted, so it doesn't move with the um, with the hot end. But let me, let me see if I can actually find where it is. Okay. If there's like a a tube going towards the hot end, or if it's literally just blowing over the entire build area. Honestly, I, I I can't see it in any of the of the pictures here. Let me. Yeah, I can't see it either. Uh, so there is no, it's okay. So the prototypes they're showing doesn't, unless they're really hiding it somewhere. But well, I guess they do have a part cooling fence somewhere. They you, they you could potentially like use the arms to duct well as ducts for for cooling air. Because they're rectangular and they yeah. don't have anything in there. Uh-huh. I don't know. Could be. Could be. Maybe it's an interesting design. Maybe they just didn't show it on, on the pictures. Yeah, the, the renders don't have anything in there either. I can't find... Okay, but it's they, they say it's got a Z-axis mounted part cooling fan. So I, I trust that it's in there somewhere. Yeah. Or at least on the shipping machines. One thing that also concerned me is their 
printing software, which is cloud-based. I hope I hope they allow to just put SD cards in there or, or USB sticks. I just hate proprietary printing software. Right. Connectivity Wi-Fi USB SD card. Okay. So if this is based on Printable Cloud, um, then they already have something that kind of worked like printable cloud on the printable pro was well it's it's i think it's 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 been yeah it has definitely been shut down since the printer shipped so mm -hmm. that's obviously something you're going to run into if you just have a print that fully relies on just being a cloud-based printer mm -hmm. um but yeah with with this one just having usb and sd card support out of the box that shouldn't happen okay and if anything i, I would see it as a bonus yeah it's not funded yet. They were aiming towards 50,000 US dollars. Still has like a good month to go. So unfortunately, we we in the EU are not able to back it. They are yeah. only shipping to the US because I really thought about backing it just because I did never have a, a printer bot. It is an interesting design. I hope that it works. It's something different. So, but yeah, no possibility. I could, well, Joel offered to, to send them over, uh, but I don't know. I still need to decide whether whether to do that or not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with probably, you know, if, if you and me reached out to Brooks, um, he'd be able to arrange something. It's just, I have a, a policy of kind of avoiding or not covering Kickstarter machines, uh, on the channel in general. So I, it, it would be breaking that rule if I, uh, now did something on the plywood and, you know, once it actually ships or has shipped all the backers rewards, like eh, nobody's going to care about it anymore. So no. that's, that's the, the limited I'm in here. Um, well, but yeah, it is good. I this wasn't really my goal to do something before the parts are shipping uh, or before the printers are shipping, but maybe just to back it and have one once once it really ships, one to have one of the like the real the real units. So that shouldn't be against your policy. Well, just to to have one for for myself, sure, sure. But, yeah. You know, you got to remember, I'm doing this full time. So when I'm when I'm doing something on 3D printing, I better make a goddamn video on it. Because uh, <laughs> otherwise, like, what what are you doing with your time? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so yeah, the, the printer is $2.99 um, as the early early bird reward, um, which is which is pretty good. I mean, two I, I think that's the same price as the as the original printer bot, the the wooden one, um, or was that $3.99? Don't know. Do you know if it is made in the US again? Because two ninety nine is like the early bird. Um, the I don't know. The later price is three thirty, which is not early bird anymore. I don't know. Yeah. If retail is probably going to be three fifty or even three ninety nine, which already puts it in a spot where the Prusa Mini Plus now is, and yeah. also some others more expensive printers. Um, manufacturing your plywood locally is important to us. By keeping manufacturing close to our home, we keep a keen eye on the quality and ensure that there are minimal production delays. So it is lovingly made in the USA. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. So made with love in California, which, um, you know, Printabot is from, from Sacramento. 
Um, so it's yeah that that same area, I guess. Yeah, but this the just just I I don't want to give up the impression that this is just. I should have put my phone on on airplane mode. Sorry, um, I don't want to give up the impression that this is just broke drum. This is also um, Josh Mitchell, M Mich M Mitchell, Mitchell, and Ian Wilding. Um, so it's a it is three three man team that are doing this together. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just wanted cool. to point that out. Yeah. When are they planning to ship? So the early birds are planned for June 2021, and the regular birds are planned for September 2021. Okay, so we'll probably see something until the end of this year if circumstances don't change, which currently they do a lot. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, that they're building on the experience of Printabot, um, so I feel like they they've kind of got most of the manufacturing figured out already mm. so. yeah i don't know if they if if it it still looks like an all metal construction or if they're for example using injection molds for the arms which is an investment and um, things they yeah though i mean the i, I think uh, the the interview with brooke is is on my channel somewhere but um, Printabot tried to do everything in house, so they, you know, they they started out by by having a laser cutter, and doing um, their their sheet metal parts in house. Um, they did, uh, they tried to do PCB assembly uh, in house. They did injection molding in house, so they they milled their own injection molds and then did the injection molding themselves um, for Printabot. Eventually, that was maybe all. That was maybe a bit too ambitious, uh, which is why Printabot doesn't exist in its in its original state or in its original form anymore. But I I wouldn't be surprised if they learned from that and maybe took a, a bit of a, a refined approach to how they manufacture things, and now know okay we can do let's say injection molding. But if you do this and this and this ourselves, we can still do a you know cost effective and and on time uh, version of that. Yeah. So let's see, let's see. Maybe just quickly speaking of circumstances that change, uh, Murph is still up for March twenty sixth until March twenty eighth, twenty twenty one. Okay. My think we, we as a as a physical I, event as i think a physical event yeah as far as i know i don't know if it's really i mean really gonna happen I, I i don't think that we even would have the possibility to enter the u.s I under current law i think on like business trips and stuff you may be able to but it's i mean it is it is first of all it is a questionable move to even like attempt to have a show uh like in march this year um yeah and it is also questionable whether it's actually going to happen though as far as i know the us aren't as strict in the regulations like what can legally be done and what cannot be mm. um whereas here in germany it's like well no it's just you're not allowed to, to do anything like that 
um and i i do agree with that with that regulation but um yeah in the u.s apparently you can still still plan for things like that <sighs> even even if i even even if i was able to attend i, I wouldn't go like i, yeah, I think either. i think my my reasonable what is it path of event plan of events is get vaccinated and then you know look at what the situation is and and you know only after you know i've gotten two doses of the vaccine it's like okay now you can maybe think about doing some things again before no. that it's just it, my, my decision is just okay it's it, it would be unreasonable to attend like mass gatherings like that no so same for me unfortunately it was already two years almost two years ago when we were at murph and i'm yeah really miss it really miss it really miss the time 2020 went by so fast yeah <laughs> good thing uh, that it did yeah um shall we stay on topic of 3d printers yeah. and quickly no. talk about sorry uh no 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 actually actually since we're <laughs> off topic the the let's let's do this one that's that's actually it uh, that i put <laughs> in as <laughs> like the okay. starter topic that we didn't manage to do uh did you buy a gamestop did you buy some gme for yourself no, I, I did not. I never bought any stocks. Okay. Well, I, I don't even have a large amount of Bitcoin or something. <laughs> so you don't did, even did you have Bitcoin. Um, no, I don't. I did not buy Jimmy. Um, I, I heard of the entire thing going down when it was already at like 200 uh, per stock or something. So hmm. that was the point where I was like, okay, now this is... Uh, this would be stupid to invest now. Uh, but it's 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 an interesting you know series of events that that's going down um mm. and i've actually linked a, a spiegel.de article apparently melvin capital who was one of the major short sellers on uh, on gme has lost half of its capital <laughs> just how how naive do you have to be to 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 make those bets because i mean investing in stocks is, is betting right it is that that's all it is <clears throat> they lost how much a uh, couple of billions, billions I think. yeah like yeah. single single digit billions well i think usually if you do something like that and like price raises by orders of magnitude is something that you don't really expect um so they were doing their thing as they as they did usually and yeah, well, e even bought more, or even short sell, short sold more stocks than than there are available. Yeah, it was like one hundred forty percent of the of the available volume. Um, yeah. it, it's uh, to to me that that feels like you know drunk driving. Uh, you know, somebody might might go you know you know <clears throat> drive home drunk every week, and it's like, well, it's it's been fine, like it's been fine, and all of a sudden he gets into a car crash, and it's like, oh. I I would have never thought this. No, no, it's just stupidity at that point. It's always been stupidity, and and at some point mm -hmm. it gets punished. Mm -hmm. uh, the question now is: is now short selling is getting is is now short selling getting more regulated, or is it community gatherings are <laughs> getting more regulated? And they, I don't know. That's going to be interesting. Even yeah. pe pe penalize those. Is it penalized, penalized? You do use Penal it. It depends on where you're from in the world. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, 
penalize the ones that made the stocks go up is that market um what's the word is that manipulation market manipulation i don't know i i don't feel bad for the hedge funds because they made billions from doing this in the past and yeah ruin ruining companies that way and ruining small investors that way way so mm. but in the end who has a lobby the small investors or the big uh, hedge funds we we will see yeah um we'll see the so so is it market manipulation um i mean yes i mean you something clearly happened so the market was manipulated so the market was influenced by that um let me let me go on a, on a bit of a, of a wider arc here um in university i had the opportunity to do a stock exchange license i think something like that basically as if i remember correctly i'm allowed on the actual trading floor of, of the stock exchanges by by having done that and basically it covered everything from okay uh, these are options these are certificates these are stocks shorts longs yada 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 full thing after i did that course i was like okay i'm not touching this shit this is gambling and i don't gamble um and and that has worked out pretty well for me so far and it that that position is being confirmed over and over again like you it's 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 literally it's just betting and you gamble you, you win you lose it's yeah the only the only way you can you can really succeed on uh, on stock is if you have information that others don't have um which typically is insider trading and is illegal so <laughs> for the for the normal hu human being i think you can you can make a lot of money if you're lucky but you can also lose a lot of money if you're unlucky um where was going with this the uh well i was going with this anyways yeah I'm, I'm i i personally i do hold stock i have the msci world which is like the the only reasonable thing i think you, you should be holding um basically etf of the entire world's economy weighted by by value so not much can can go up and down there um oh yeah the 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 point i was going to make um the stock market is not something where you make money or where you create money it is it is an exchange and not just exchange of stock but also exchange of capital so if you make gains if if you if you make a profit you, somebody else is making that as a loss it, the, the stock exchange doesn't create value from nothing it is literally just an exchange of you know you gain some someone else loses if the hedge funds make money on something somebody else is losing that money and um, back to the point of of having more information than your opponent usually those people that lose money are those that have less information than others so yeah it, it is for 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 a certain extent just the stock market is, is just preying on those that naively invest whether that that naive entity is a hedge fund or um just millions of private investors um that's that depends on the exact time frame you're looking at but yeah it's it's somebody loses somebody else or somebody wins somebody else is going to have to lose for that yeah. 
it's interesting for sure <laughs> it's interesting i've i've never been a, a big fan of stock of stock trading so i just don't really want to touch it yeah i mean for, for me I've, I've looked into hey what, what what are the options how can you invest the little money you have and it's like well first of all you put as many solar panels on your roof as you can that has been that has been the number one and that has worked out fantastically number two was like hey do you get like one of the uh, restaurant uh, um, options you get but it's like so many of the uh, state subsidized investment options are just the the banks make all the subsidies and you're just left with basically a, a spabuch, like zero yeah. interest and all the fees from the bank eat up any any incentive you might have in that so for me it was just like well i guess i'm buying some mci world and so far that's been that's been okay but i i mean i'm i'm not one to to give uh, to give investment advice here yeah no well we put a second well a third floor on our house that was my investment <laughs> that works too yeah in, invest in, yeah, will, will. in immobilien and now I need to save for the baby's education. Yeah. And I don't know if I want to gamble with that education money. Yeah. Well, b before we get too deep into this and before I get the kind of convince you to, to make to make poor decisions, let's move on. Let's move on. Yeah. Let, let, let's continue on 3D printer topics like physical 3d printers yes. formlabs finally released their fuse one which i have seen i think the first time four years ago on form next and was pretty hyped because i think at that point the formlabs fuse one which is an sls 3d printer so you basically melt nylon powder with a laser was a machine that was teased for ten thousand bucks and even though ten thousand bucks sounds quite expensive yep. the other machines that were available at that point from for example eos usually started at a hundred thousand bucks unfortunately for the last four years the machine wasn't really released you could pre-order it uh but it just yeah it just uh so the, the fuse released. one and the fuse one yeah the fuse one wasn't released there were some others like the um there's a Swiss and I think one Polish company. Um, Sintratech and... Sintratech and Sinterit. Sinterit, yeah. Yeah. Um, they also released budget SLS 3D printers, which I think the cheapest one even starts at 5,000 yeah. bucks. And That's been out for a you while. Need, you need a couple of equipment on the side to, 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 sieve, the, uh, to sieve the powder, to mix the powder, to yeah. depowder the parts and stuff like that. But they were also like available but yeah now now finally formlabs released their fuse one which is not ten thousand bucks anymore i think it's fifteen thousand bucks and with the additional equipment that you need on the side you look at i think 25 25 yeah. us dollars all in all which just shows again that sls 3d printing is not only having a vat of nylon powder that you um like melt with a laser there is way 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 more to yeah. it um yeah no, i don't think that's ever going to come down in cost much simply because of you dealing with powder and that is a material that is not easy to handle um the powder also they're, they're claiming a 70 percent powder refresh rate so 
basically if if i understand it correctly like you are you're able to reuse 70 percent of the powder in your next job because is is it i i know from uh from metal powder from metal printing like it's all mm. being kept at temperature and all that but also i i think it's the same for for sls too right it, you keep it at a temperature that is high enough where it doesn't sinter with where the, the individual particles don't bond together and then you just add that little pop of energy to to the spots you want to sinter, and it just pushes it over that point where it becomes a not necessarily solid but a a part that sticks together so mm. the powder itself also degrades um just by being exposed to exposed exposed to that uh, elevated temperature over time mm. so you have to basically throw out 30 percent of your powder and add in 30 percent uh virgin powder again um exactly. for every job basically um yeah and the thing is that the powder is pretty expensive um, I think if you take a look at at Sintrit or Sintratech, you pay uh, 100 to 200 euros per kilogram of powder. Um, and that is also important when you think about just printing one part at a time or really, I think the, the term is called nesting. Um, yep. When you use that machine, pack as many parts as possible into the machine because f because 50% of the powder that needs to be um that needs to be used because you always need to have like a, a full powder container uh 50% of the powder that you even didn't melt or didn't sinter you have to basically throw away yeah. um or 30 because you always need to add what, the, they're, what they're claiming yeah yeah exactly so this is this is pretty interesting that they lowered that amount because that also makes using the machine cheaper in the long run <clears throat> um but yeah uh it is interesting um just maybe on a side note for for metal 3d printing um it's it's a bit different um for for polymer slf 3d printing you really keep the material at a temperature which is close to like when it starts sintering or even when it starts melting and I think that just degenerates the powder, as you just said. For metal 3D printing, you usually elevate the temperatures a little bit in the building chamber to um, right. yeah. fight moisture in the material and to, for some materials, for example, aluminum, um, to decrease the warping tendency of the parts themselves. Yep. But the melting temperature and the temperature in the chamber is quite high, so we have a pretty high gradient in there it would be good if like the build chamber temperature and the melting temperature would be pretty close together because that would reduce stresses in the parts and the process itself but since the temperatures you need for melting metal is is way higher the machines uh would get way 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 more expensive yeah. and well yeah so for metal 3d printing you usually have everything in in inert gas atmosphere and the powder doesn't do a lot it might <clears throat> just take up some oxygen and stuff like that so usually you, you just sieve it and um you can reuse the powder yeah. for for quite a while yeah i mean i, I did work with uh, with one click metal just on, on getting a few videos yeah. out with them and we obviously talk about like what their machine is doing differently and, and all those things and yeah i got to see the process and it's metal 3d printing like don't don't make the mistake of thinking oh we now have a a cheap 
uh, cheap, already in quotation marks, uh, SLA printer for nylon or PA12, like the the next step obviously is we just increase the laser power a bit and we can now print metal. Like it doesn't really work that way. Mm -hmm. And I think the the one click metal system was like fifty grand for like their we're going for that price. Uh if we can make it, we can we can possibly make a machine for fifty grand. And that is incredibly cheap for a system like that. And people mm -hmm. still commented, What what do you mean? That's that's cheap. Like that is freaking expensive. And yes, mm -hmm. it is expensive if you're comparing it to an N3, but it is cheap for a for what the machine actually does. Um, and the the laser power that is also required for metal melting and for those SLS polymer machines is really different. Um, yeah. For once, for the polymer machines, at least for the like more expensive EOS machines, I think they just use CO2 lasers, which are cost nothing. Uh -huh. um, for metal 3D printing, you need different wavelengths. So usually just a near infrared IR laser is used and those are um, fiber lasers and they already for example for a 400 watt fiber laser it will set you back fifty thousand bucks or something like that yeah yeah and that is that is one of the the core <laughs> core things that you know designers of, of low-cost metal machines also try to work around mm. but um yeah that's that's that it's like metal printing at the home is is not coming to us anytime soon um the like the metal powders are extremely dangerous to work with. Um, first of all, you know, if you have anything that is flammable, it gets significantly more flammable if it's in powder form just because they have so much surface area. And also, you don't really want to breathe it. Um, so if you ever work with metal powder, like full, you know, mask, um, keep it contained, everything. Do you know if that's similar with nylon powder? I, I would think so. It is... I would say it's pretty similar because also if you inhale nylon and I, I don't know how, how big the particle size is, but I guess there are particles in there that can make it into your lung. It's probably going to stay there. So I, it's, it's the same for both. And I sometimes really ask myself, why are companies allowed to show their SLS machines open and, and depowdering on exhibitions just on the normal mm. floor because also that stuff is is kind of nasty why are they allowed i guess because the the show organizers don't really know any better uh, because they, they typically don't Maybe. have to deal with exhibitors yeah. that you know emit mm. fine particles yeah then you could argue yeah there's for for ages there's microplastic in our air so doesn't make it really worse you should use safety precautions for both. Um, for metal 3D printers, it is sometimes even more dangerous because you have, for example, you're using heavy metals like nickel alloys. Getting nickel into your body is not really healthy. Um, aluminum is deemed to be cancing, uh, causing cancer. So for all of that stuff, you would additionally say, okay, you need to have safety precautions to not get that into your body. Okay. The nylon probably is pretty inert, but still I wouldn't like to have it in my in my lungs. Yeah, well, anything that is a particle that gets down into your, into your lungs, that's uh, not healthy, whether it's metal or nylon. Yeah. All right. Um, so that is the Form Labs Fuse 1. I mean, just, just for context, Form Labs is a resin printing company. Um, that's that's where they yep. came from and 
kind of like Markforged that did the um, carbon reinforcement. They are now going into a, a new area, um, going into SLS. So interesting to see what other manufacturing processes um, the you know the, the various companies go into. Mm. No, I find it really nice what they're doing because they were always the company that made resin printing easy to use and also kind of clean to use. And I hope to, well, see them doing the same thing for, for SLS 3D printing because it wasn't really affordable in the past. Um, and the process, the process, the process is, is kind of nasty, but if they have a nice powder management system, uh, depowdering station and stuff like that, yeah. you could have something like that in your workshop. Yeah, well, at least you Company can, workshop. you can minimize the, uh, the risk involved yeah. and the yeah. the PPE requirements for, for using that machine. Yeah. 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 On the topic of, of novel processes, we also have a low-cost metal 3 printing approach uh, in our notes today. And that is uh, an article on Hackaday, though I'm sure it's been covered on, on various other sites as well, which prints metal using electroplating. So... Um, who is it? Billy Wu um, is calling it electrochemical additive manufacturing. EAM. <laughs> I guess you could abbreviate it. So you put that you put that in there. I I, I don't want to get it wrong. I, you've you've probably read on on how exactly it works, right? It's probably just electrolysis. Electrolysis. Um, it looks like that they're just depositing copper. Um, using a, a small syringe where they, I think, slowly just release maybe a copper sulfide solution. Yeah, I think it's copper sulfide, um, which then is dis depositing at the location of the nozzle where you have the potential difference between the anode and the cathode. And this way you can potentially put, potentially, um, yeah, 3D print metal parts very slowly, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I think it's a, a quite interesting approach, and uh, I don't know if it's if it's just usable for pure metals. But for example, having a pure copper printing process that is also kind of simple um, is really valuable for applications where you look for heat transfer or conductivity or things okay. like that. Yeah. So so the the basics of electroplating, I guess, is um, for those of you who've never done it, I've, I've I've dabbled into that a bit, and it's it's interesting. Um, basically, you need a couple of things. You need an anode, a cathode, and you need some solution that has um, your your metal um, dissolved in it in, in a way that is suitable for electroplating. And you apply a current from your I always get these wrong from your 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 printing tip in this in this case, I guess. And the electrons basically carry your um, your your metal atoms your, your, your particles onto the surface of the part you're plating so you're basically depositing that onto the surface and it bonds well enough that it is a a you know it, it forms a solid layer um so what this typically you do that in a bath with the part fully submerged and you just have an electrode inside and you know the current flows to the parts more or less evenly what this process is now doing is it's it's just a tiny tip so basically, I guess it could be more or less submerged still in the um, in your plating solution, but it's just because the tip is so close to your part, 
um, you get the you get the most amount of current going to that area where the tip is. It's kind of reverse EDM machining. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, but it would be interesting to know if if you could also just use like a very small. Well, the thing is, I, I think you can't really use a small tip electrode because that electrode will, I think, slowly dissolve away. So having this, like the current, true, um, current um, kind of the flow of current and limited current by the nozzle, by the plastic nozzle itself, current density limited by the plastic nozzle itself um, could just overcome that that problem yeah the what 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 i'm really questioning here is 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 this fast enough to be usable because if you typically if you plate for example with copper like you can get in the order of magnitude of microns per minute and that's if you fully submerge your your entire part in the solution that is that is doing literally the entire surface of the part now if you just do a tiny tip you're building microns per minute on that one spot where the tip is. Mm. So I'm guessing this process really is something that, I mean, that they're showing super tiny prints here, basically printing on um, tracks, conductive tracks onto part, mm. essentially. Um, for that, yes, can definitely work. But it's not It's not like you're going to print a Benchy out of, out of mm. copper with this process. That's going to take years, probably. So mm. that that's something you have to keep in mind. It can print on yeah. conductive tracks um, or s- super small features, but it's not going to really make a physical part. The part already has to be there. Yeah, but still, maybe we see some more development in in that direction. Yeah, it's it's Just another cool it's another tool in the tool bag, right? Yeah, it's really great to see. <clears throat> and uh... another tool in the tool bag is the um upgrade for 3d printers that saves time and support material so this is from the oh god what what does uh, zhaw stand for zurich hochschule für angewandte wissenschaften yeah i guess i got that right zurich university of applied sciences yep probably um who built a Prusa with a rotating nozzle that is now tilted at 45 degrees. So you have your you have your print and the, the nozzle, so it's it's an extra movement axis on the printer. And now the nozzle can swivel around your part and basically it always deposits at 45 degrees, kind of like the belt printer does. Um, mm-hmm. but now you can adjust that angle. So yeah, what what they're showing off is like the typical, you know, mushroom that is a you know perfectly horizontal overhang on the sides. Um, basically you just print that as radial layers and you print you know you always you always just have a 45 degree overhang for everything and and that sounds really interesting but also really tricky tricky in terms of i think software once again um so there was a bit of discussion on that on on twitter and there's also um, a paper released about uh, the process itself. Um, they do. Oh, Adrian Boyer was was discussing with the guy on Twitter. Yeah. Um, they're kind of de- defolding 
the model that it is or transforming it um that you can slice it better and then it's 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 working for that more or less four-dimensional 3d printer um this is as far as i have understood not something that you can just put any model in there and and use it right away it's yeah. not available publicly um hopefully it will uh because yeah adrian boyer i think also said yeah if you guys want to open source it i'm i'm happy to help you out in that regard yeah and they they weren't immediately going oh no we're patenting this and we're locking this down now we, we, this is ours yeah. no they were they were very open to the yeah. idea so thumbs up yeah for that. they just said they don't have any any experience in that regard yeah so it, in regards of open sourcing something um yeah again hardware i i think it's not too too hard to to have a platform that can do 4d yeah. 3d uh, sorry 4d 5d 60 movements in the end it still again comes down to software and hopefully at at some point we have something that we can use um to work on things like that yeah so right now what it looks like what they're doing is they're basically um they're doing conical layers. So what what they're transfer, transforming their models into is basically a a model that is just cones stacked on, on top of each other. And the nozzle is always like perfectly swiveling. The nozzle is always pointing towards your, your center, uh, the center of the point. Mm -hmm. So the further you move out, nozzle orientation doesn't change. But as soon as your, your axis off of center you get what i'm saying it's the nozzle is basically yeah. always pointing inwards and your your layers are cones so you're always printing perfectly um perpendicular onto your previous layer now what could be already done from that is if you don't just have the cone shape which is i guess easy to transform your parts for slicing into um if you don't just have cone shapes but you for example what adrian boyer suggested is you always center it onto your what was it called like the center of mass or the center of, of area of your layers so if you have like a, mm. a cucumber shaped um object you always center it towards mm. the, the center line of that cucumber um that one and then also i don't i don't know if the the physical geometry of the nozzle currently supports it but what you could also do is you could say okay this is a cone and we're cutting that off and from this so that they can do inwards and outwards cones mm. um and you just say, okay, for, for these layers, we're doing the inwards and now the overhang's going the other way. We're doing the outwards cone printing. There, there's so much. And, and if you read the thread on, on Twitter that Adrian is involved in, um, there is so much potential in just optimizing for that. And mm -hmm. as always, it comes down to what can the software do and not what can the hardware do? Because the hardware is, honestly, it's trivial. Um, we have four access boards. We have, you know, we, we can build spinny hotends. It's not a problem at all. Um, it is really how do we slice for this, as it always is. Yeah, definitely. So the the thing is, um, those guys are just like one and a half hours of drive away from me. If if covid wasn't there it would be really nice visiting them but i don't know maybe there's some research in in that direction maybe there is an opportunity to at some point in the summer go and visit them and, and see what they're doing and really see it hands-on how the yeah. slicing process works how the 
preparation process works and then really how the layers come down and what challenges they they still need to overcome to make that more generally usable for i'd say like generic parts yeah yeah just the generically formed parts which yeah that, that's the that's the software part of it yeah yeah so another cool. another tool another approach that you know maybe maybe it's going to get used maybe it's not never going to get used but it's something that could solve a lot of problems and just just in case it wasn't clear what this was all about it's about being able to print geometry that you would require support material or other ways of modifying the model to make it printable so this this would allow yeah. you to print almost all geometry except for negative openings we're yeah. trying to start in midair so yeah cool stuff other things that are or will come quite close to us 3d printed food uh sorry 3d printed uh meat substitute product should be available in the first quarter of 2021 here in germany in select restaurants um, in selected restaurants <laughs> <laughs> so at first i thought this was also like lab grown meat that was then extruded into a meat formed part but yeah when you read the article I think this is an Israeli company. Um, they are doing like basically vegetable, vegetable-based meat substitute, and then just print it in a shape that you that it looks red and white for like um, uh, fat structure and and muscle structure, and yeah. maybe even I don't know cartilage or something like that. Um, if 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 that is available and and I think it should be available at least in Munich or something like that, I would really like to try it out and and see yeah. if it tastes any different as the Beyond Meat and Impossible Meat and other meat substitute that have become pretty popular over the last years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've we've talked about the the Impossible Burgers and and all those that you can just buy in the supermarket if when they're available. Um, yeah much of the stuff isn't particularly great um i don't think it's actually the the texture that's that's lacking um or the um yeah i guess the texture like if you have if you have a steak it's it's not just one uniform material um as a you know burger patty would be when it's uh, minced meat but it's just the the basic material that they're making their their substitute material out of mm. um 3D printing doesn't really help with that. Maybe, maybe it can maybe it can fool you into you know accepting it more as a real meat if it does have some texture to it. But mm. I, uh, to, to me, the the core challenge is still this: it just needs to taste right. And the the because I, I mean, bur burger patties, minced stuff is is the easiest mm. thing you can do because it's it's literally it's minced. <laughs> it's it doesn't have any defining texture to it. Um, get that right first, and then then look into shaping. I don't know. We'll see. I hope to maybe try it out at some point. Yeah. If restaurants open again. <laughs> <laughs> God, right? Yeah, that, that's that's 
<laughs> I didn't even think of that. I was like, oh yeah, th- th- it'll be great when it will be available, but sure, restaurants need to be open for that too. Hmm. Well, yeah, maybe they have it as takeaway. I was gonna say getting that, yeah. get, getting takeaway <laughs> from Munich is is kind of hard for me. Yeah, same same for me. But you you're a bit further away. Yeah, could eat it in my car. <laughs> Just park in front of the restaurant and chew yeah. away. Yeah. Um, but definitely interesting um what they're what they're doing here and and it's it's good to see that this is being worked on i mean yeah. meat consumption major issue for for just uh you know the destruction of our planet so if we if you have something that is maybe a bit less destructive that's good on the topic of of being destructive or not um uh who was it uh, simone asked on on twitter recently like do you think pla is a or would you consider pla to be environmentally friendly and i think that question was intentionally open-ended what would would you would you say pla is environmentally friendly and maybe that was my friendlier, answer to- <laughs> maybe friendlier than other materials but it's not helping the environment. Um, it's still taking up resources in terms of food that others might be able to eat. It is producing CO2 just by the process of growing it, harvesting it, um, and everything what is connected to it, making PLA out of uh, uh, cornstarch. And then in the end it, it releases it's 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 well taken up co2 again when you when you burn it or you just dump it somewhere um the i think the the thing that might be more environmentally friendly is that it might degenerate in a quicker amount of time if you compost it or or put it in a dump in comparison to pe abs or, or whatever but in the end it's still not environmental environmentally friendly yeah um also yeah okay a couple a couple notes on that so first the the first thing that i think adrian boyer again brought up is um any sort of of plastic is captured carbon so whether that's abs or poly whatever it all has a a carbon atom in there and with fossil-based plastics you have captured carbon from a couple million years ago and with um, plant-based plastics like PLA, you have captured carbon from you know when the when the corn was grown. So essentially, as long as you have your spool of PLA sitting on the shelf, it is essentially it is carbon capture and storage in a you know plant-based way more or less. Um, so in, in that regard, it is actually pulling carbon out of the air. It is a net carbon reduction. The other thing that was brought up is, first of all, I mean, the, the PLA doesn't really compost in a regular compost bin. Um, but when it is industrially composted, or I guess, um, what's the word? Um, basically, when when it, when it is processed in an industrial composting situation where it can be composted, it also releases methane, which... <clears throat> you probably should capture and burn um because once you release methane then you know you have a what is it a factor of 50 to 100 um more environmentally dangerous or Mm. or, yeah uh, impactful than co2 itself so it's 
Yeah, on the one hand, it is actually net capturing carbon, but on the other hand, it is potentially releasing uh, methane once it's it, it gets dealt with, I guess. So two points, but yeah, so your your point is, is absolutely valid. There is energy being put into the production um, of PLA, and yes, it is competing for um, for crops that could be used for food. Would it be better to just use recycled uh, PDG, for example? Possibly, right? If you if you have a high degree of recycled material in there, yeah, of course, because then you kind of keep the circle just going you don't you at least well you for the for the recycling process you again need a bit of of energy sure but it's probably less than making pe just from grounds up yeah um i i think i might be misquoting this but um for for example bottles um reusable glass bottles mehrwegflaschen um versus single use like the thin wall 25 cent uh, font mm. flushing um it is actually less energy intense to um re to 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 shred and remelt those thin pet bottles every single time you use them versus melting down the glass bottles after i don't know how many 25 or 50 uses so the plastic recycling process is not that energy intensive and it is not inherently releasing any co2 it's just energy which you could, you know, use renewables for. Yeah. So, in in my mind, like PTG, if it's recycled and you know you don't just throw it out, you actually collect it and and recycle it. That that would be the the ultimate mm. one, right? But the question is, PET is not equal to PETG. PETG is there enough like industrial PETG waste to make filament out of it? Because making filament out of PET bottles works, but it's not a great material to, to work right. with in the right. end. The question is, is it actually environmentally friendly to have PLA filament sitting on your shelf or even printing parts out of it because it basically captures CO2? <laughs> the question is, how much energy do you need to make one kilo or how much co2 do you produce for one kilogram of ptg and how much co2 was taken up by well how much co2 is is basically stored in in that roll of filament that would be an interesting question yeah if, if somebody has data on just how pla is first of all the pla resin is produced and then you know how much energy it takes to, to put it into filament and then of course, everything that's attached to that, um, shipping, <coughs> logistics, all that. That would that would really be interesting. So if you have any any info, uh, leave a leave a comment below. Yep. On the topic uh, of, of the comments. Oh no no no, no. one yep. one one more one more feel good story yep. before we get into the, the comments today. Um, you've seen Chelsea Kern Kearney Kerning. God, I'm, I'm sorry i'm bad with names uh you've seen chelsea's uh bernie model um which is you know bernie in mittens so the, <laughs> the meme we, we all know about and she actually made a, a really high detail 3d model um, from it and uh, joel printed it on a resin printer i think and uh run uh from known from, from known from shows like uh corridor digital or corridor crew 
um, he used that in a quick render and, and you know just just used it as a, as a joke more or less I mean that's what the internet is for right but it's he basically used the the original 3d model that that Chelsea made for 3d printing and had textured which you typically don't need for for 3d printing but he just used that model for 3d graphics for 3d rendering um so my my entire point to this is it is really good to see that uh 3d printing has so many more little bits going going to other disciplines where the tools and the assets we create for 3d printing are usable for other people too not just for for 3d printing folks yeah yeah so we're gonna it's just great to see especially when you turn the sound on and have that that sound (laughs) of like a a gymnastic ball uh like just one of those gymnastics balls big ones bouncing around (laughs) bernie say yeah um great work chelsea there absolutely yeah we're gonna link that that tweet below um obviously and you can click through to joel's video and to the the original model Uh, ah great stuff Um, all right let's actually leave 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 these two for the next time i think yeah yeah we've we've got plenty of stuff to talk talk about um let's get to a couple questions um from simon a hey what controls the depth of cure in an lcd style printer Say you printed a 20 millimeter hole followed by a 10 millimeter hole on the Elgamos. What stops the light from the 10 millimeter hole semi-curing the layers above? How does it achieve a clean plane? A 20 millimeter hole followed by a 10 millimeter. Yeah, I mean it's basically why why aren't the rays of light just going going mm-hmm. through your print and just curing columns? Well, Reno, I, it... I guess because they are absorbed by the f- uh, photosensitive. Photosensitive? Did you watch the resin video? F- photosensitive uh, compounds that are in there. The resin video. Which which I... resin video? From the uh, resin science guy. Oh, uh, that one. We talked about last time. Uh, I didn't. No. Um, <laughs> I, I would say it it is it is absorbed just by the resin. Um, and doesn't really penetrate that deep into into the material. And also what we talked about last time, um, since it's not focused, I, I think it will sp- spread quite qu- quickly. Especially so on, the on an intensity. LCD yeah, exactly. So I guess it, the intensity will be decreasing very fast as soon as it comes out of the LCD and enters the resin due to absorption and is that diffraction uh yeah not not necessarily it's just it's no, not it's not yeah. a focus beam of light uh, to start with yeah no. the now the, the thing of course is you can print different layer heights on a on an SLA printer on an LCD SLA printer you can you can have it penetrate into your resin a certain length now I am not sure how the physics of that work exactly whether the layer starts curing from the LCD up and basically you you start with I don't know a couple of microns of of cured resin and that because that is already cured stops absorbing your um, near UV light and then it can grow upwards 
if you so wish basically so it, it doesn't cure like the entire i don't know 50 micron layer at a time but it, it basically grows from the bottom up um yeah <laughs> don't know if, if it does that or if it is simply because the intensity of light decreases the further away you are from from the lcd as you mentioned mm. and then if you cycle your layers faster you don't fully cure that 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 area of the print that is further away from the lcd mm. yeah i i'm not 100 percent sure um i think that that's not the case but you also have well the the resin that's um the the what's the sheet called fep uh, the fep fep <laughs> sheet um is semi um permeable for for oxygen and oxygen also plays plays a role in there so i don't know if nah i i think I, that's, that's not the case for, not, for standard resin printing not for these i think yeah yeah if, if somebody has an idea why we don't like cure very deep into the resin maybe let us know no i i think with absorption it's kind of plausible if you have an opaque resin but if you have a translucent resin you, you can see the uv light if you take a look at uh the part yeah. when it's being printed definitely um yeah but it it, it does work like it's it's one of those things we we brought up possibly maybe it's something entirely different if you know better let us know yeah definitely all right second question ah uh, sorry i don't okay just messed up my adam document. F- let me fill in here adam philip uh, asks looking for a cheap closed nema closed loop nema 17 motor for printers can you recommend a model so i've i've not used any closed well no i don't think i've, I've used any closed loop steppers here but um, i know that there are several different solutions um to get a closed loop system going on a nema 17 size um the first thing i've seen is just little add-on boards that was that was 10 years ago or something little add-on boards that you can just put on the on the back of your printer that has um, a magnet or some sort of an encoder on there and it's just it's just feeding back into your stepper driver so that's a a whole system of the add-on encoder and your driver and then that corrects for that but what's coming up more recently is stepper drivers that have a an integrated uh, stepper driver stepper motors that have an integrated driver to them and you can you can actually get different types so you can get the stepper motor with just a little pcb on the back that has the encoder and driver and everything on it and you just give it step and direction um and i guess that works but it's at its core still a stepper motor or you can actually actually get servos like actual servo motors in a nema 17 size that have uh, the driver and everything built in as well the closed loop nema 17s are like 20 bucks ish so they're they're not that Mm -hmm. expensive uh the servo types are i think 60 or 80 bucks um but of course the servo is going to give you i guess low resolution but much higher performance if you really want less holding talk but basically true. no holding talk true true yeah it, it would have to to constantly correct for that mm. the question yeah. is do you really need holding torque in a 3d printer you're not milling anything where you have external forces on your tool head i'd hope <laughs> so really holding torque you, you don't need actually 
It's just that it's... For the Z-axis, you would, yeah. <sighs> well, I mean, the the Z-axis on, on my on my printers aren't, aren't dropping by themselves either, so... Yeah, true. Um, and depending on the amount of well oscillation you will you will have for for getting some holding basically holding torque on a, on a servo motor it could work as well and usually on, on real servo motors you have a brake that engages as soon as there's no true. movement true though um, well, one one thing to bring up with with holding torque real quick is a stepper motor doesn't actually hold in one position a stepper motor is also elastic in both directions because yeah. it has obviously when the shaft is standing still there's zero torque on it or it would spin yeah. so it it basically relies on a pro, it, the, the, the holding torque is proportional to the deflection from its zero position so it's got maximum yeah. holding torque just before it skips a step um so yeah if you have any any step of motor is elastic which is why 0 0.9 degree motors are so great because they basically have or, or have only half as much deflection needed to produce the same amount of holding torque as a 1.8 degree motor okay just a bit of a tangent there the first question is either why are uh, these motors are pretty cheap like 15 to 20 bucks why are not all printers using um, closed-loop stepper motors? Yeah, that's the question. Okay, uh, because we don't need them. Because yeah. like on a on a on a especially on a cheap printer, like a stepper motor is how much if you buy them in bulk, probably five bucks, um, versus fifteen or twenty for the integrated one. Uh, it is a cost factor, and regular stepper drivers are dead cheap, though. We could probably make the, um, the, the the integrated stepper motors with the little PCB on the back. You could probably make those for not much more than it would cost to have a, a regular stepper and a and a driver. Um, yeah. But really, it's 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 <sighs> tangent incoming. No, <laughs> it's it's one of those things where you know you could have innovation, but because of the goal of having of, of of developing and manufacturing 3D printers right now is just they need to be cheap. There's almost no room for actually doing something novel anymore. It's just we do the same things mm -hmm. we've done five years ago and we try to do them mm -hmm. at a lower cost. That's essentially what's what's happening. Except for maybe you know the the P, uh, the PCBs, the um, the control boards uh, and the LCD screens. Those are getting better. But everything else is just the same. Mm -hmm. um, so that's I guess that's why we're not seeing much of them. Yeah. So yeah, to to close out the question for um, cheap closed loop NEMA seventeen step uh, servo motor for printers, just those those with the integrated PCB on the back. Um, I I've not tried them, but they seem to be pretty decent. So you've yeah. you've put in the big Tree Tech S forty two B. Yeah, I've just seen a video from Teaching Tech on on that one. Seemed to work, but I have also never worked with one i like one and a half years ago i backed the ananas yeah. stepper thing <laughs> on kickstarter but it hasn't arrived yet i constantly oh, get update emails ah yeah our developer got to another went to another company i don't know if they will will ever arrive but um they were also more expensive than the big tree tech ones so yeah i don't really see that there is a market for for them anymore it was more enclosed than the big tree tech one 
but I think you also get housings for this one. I, I see more use for them in CNC machine. Oh, so in, in, um, in CNC routers, for example. Yeah. Where you actually like have external skips, forces. Yeah. You have external forces and skipping a step can be really bad. Yeah. Well, 3D print, the worst that's going to happen is you have a, a layer shift. Like yeah. typically, you're not, you're not going to break anything. Yeah. Cool. All right. Last question. Scott Bader? Bader? So Scott Bader is asking, um, did you put in a new camera? Did you put in new cameras? Seems a lot cleaner than previous episodes. Good discussions. Uh, yeah, our setup changed, but actually not really in, into the, I would say, optically positive direction, at least I, for me. To, to be honest, like your image looks, I've, I've pointed that out last time, your image looks fantastic. The lighting is just really good. Um, you've got the really nice soft boxy light coming from uh, your camera left. Um, you've got a nice background. Like it, your image looks very pleasing. Just, just want to put that out there. I've got the hard edge light here because I typically don't look this direction. This is like my set rotated. <laughs> but yeah, we, we did change uh, setups. We did change the way we record these podcasts. We're now doing it in a more live setup, um, which makes editing these things so much easier because we don't have to deal with syncing or syncing up uh, four different tracks. Um, it's now going into OBS Studio. We've got a video capture th through Zoom. We've got audio through Studio Link. And um, I'm recording here on the GH5 going into the recorder or into the computer. Stefan's coming in through Zoom. So Stefan's image actually looks super soft. It almost looks like a, I don't know, 480p image. Though honestly, for a podcast, it is, it's fine. It's, it's okay. It's just, you, you, you see everything you need to see um and it is yeah it is the same tech just you know new setup and downgraded in the quality we're recording at mm. yeah i think if the, if the audio is fine that's that's totally good audio on, on my side could be a bit worse because i s i'm still in like my new office i don't have a lot of furniture in here there are some panels that you can see right here in the back for Maybe. um that it's a bit less equi but it's still equi in here and i get some like curtains and um shelves and stuff in here to just yeah make it a bit nicer for recording so sorry for that i hope that it's going to be better in the future i'm gonna process you in post a bit and, and take out the echo so it's i it's should fun, really, really try out the the um rtx audio processing thing Ooh. Ooh. it's it, it is impressive what it does. Like the RTX voice is extremely yeah. impressive in what it can filter out. However, audio quality does degrade. So you can you can clearly hear that it does sound uh, processed and digital and, and warbly and all. So maybe not yeah. something you'd want to listen. I, I would rather have a bit of echo in the background than having to listen to that digital messed up voice. Mm. Even though it might be more, more clear to understand, but, but it's just not pleasing to listen to. Yeah. Yeah, but okay. but you, you can actually get it to work on pretty much any card, not just the RTX cards. But you do have an RTX something something. I do have an RTX. You should RTX sell it. They sell it for crazy prices. Seriously? Yeah. Uh, I was you, I was actually thinking at the end of last year to buy a, a new workstation, but 
it's hard to get anything at the moment. Yeah, I've, I've at been, a decent price. I've been wanting to get a 3080 or something, um, but like I'm not gonna buy that for 1600 euros. You can forget mm-hmm. about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, for example, my my uh, not not RTX my. AMD 5700 XT, I could sell that for more than I bought it new right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, but then, then I wouldn't have any any uh, graphics card anymore. Doesn't mean that I game a lot at the moment, but I still yeah. well, kind of need something. That's in my in my gamerish PC. My workstation still rocking the 1080 Ti. So, yeah. Well... I I I need the hardware, so I'm just I'm just putting it to use, uh, mining some Bitcoin right now. So. Yeah, why not? So, solar power is cheap. So, all right, good episode. That's it for today. Thank you all for watching. If you have any questions, yeah, put them down in the comments for us to discuss. Tweet them to us at. The Melt Zone are, if you want to support us, there are our Patreon links down in the description. And I think there's not really that much left to say as get thanks subscribed. for your time, Tom. Subscribe. <laughs> get, get subscribed. Yeah. Thanks, Stefan, for the time. And see you guys in the next one. See you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>